God is so good. God is so good tonight. I believe that these next, these last few days in this year is going to be some of the best days of the rest of this year that you've ever experienced tonight. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. Why don't you lift your hands real quick? I want to pronounce a blessing over you tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare right now, God, that you would give supernatural guidance for your people and wisdom as they finish out this year. I pray right now, God, a covering over them and their families tonight. I pray that the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and it adds no sorrow unto them tonight. I decree and declare right now in the name of Jesus that any weapons that are forming will not prosper on their lives tonight. May freedom of mind and spirit be their portion in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. right so God is good um, we're gonna be continuing I believe there's an awesome word tonight coming from from Minister Dominique Williams this is my last time introducing him last time <laughs> after which you're just gonna come take the mic and preach but anyway he has been uh, an awesome right-hand man uh, to have alongside me and I cannot wait to ordain and install him as official executive pastor next year, February, the last Sunday in February, as we consecrate him and not only him, but also Brittany to the office of elder and to the office of executive pastor. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited what God is about to do in uh, the life of Transformation Christian Fellowship because we, we didn't come to conform. We came to transform. We didn't come here. By the time you look back up, by the time you get back here next year, you're going to be like, what in the world? A difference a year makes. And God is still doing great things among us tonight. And we are not fearful. We are not intimidated of anything or anyone. For God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, and he's going to do it over your life. So I'm excited about this. I'm excited about what he's doing. It has been an awesome privilege for me to be able to pastor him and mentor him along this journey as he steps into this role and as he steps in to do further things for the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to get out of your way and I'm excited to hear this message. For everything that we are bringing before you as we close out this year are messages of conversations that God is having with us not only as an executive but what God is having with us in order so that we can tell you what these next few days of this year and what next year is going to present to you. We are trying to get you equipped. We are trying to get you ready because you can't take success. You can't become successful unless you've been prepared for it. You can't know how to manage success unless you've been prepared for it. And so I'm excited about what we're doing. I'm excited about the things that you're going to hear in these next couple of Sundays and Tuesdays as we are on the verge of seeing a season of thrive. Because matter of fact, even while things are going on, you're still thriving. And we're still doing great, and I love it. So why don't you do me a favor, point your hands towards him and say, Minister Dom, preach the word. Don't be intimidated, but preach God's word with boldness, with vigor, with strength. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Come on and give God a praise for him. Receive him as he comes tonight to minister to us. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, celebrate Jesus real quick. Celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. We give him the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen. Amen. So this is a special day for me. A year ago today, I officially started serving at the Transformation Christian Fellowship. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. It's been an incredible year. Ups, downs, more ups, but even the downs have strengthened me. And I can say without question, I have made one of the best decisions of my life. Amen. So I'm excited. Celebrate the man of God, our angel, our shepherd, Brandon Benjamin Hill. Woo! Put out his government out there. I have permission to do that. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's get to the word. I don't want to keep y'all long tonight. Let's go to Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter 7. And we're going to be verses 1 through 9. don't have your Bibles it should be up on the screen for you it says in the oh excuse me all right <laughs> thank you daddy <laughs> it says verse 1 in the days of Ahaz the son of Jotham son of Uzziah king of Judah reason the king of Syria and Pekah the son of Remaliah the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it but could not yet mount an attack against it when the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of reason in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Verse 5, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Verse 7, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is reason. And within 65 years of Ephraim, well, excuse me and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people and the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah this is what I want us to tune our attention to tonight if you are not firm in faith you will not be firm at all if you are not firm in faith you will not be firm at all tonight I want to talk to you from the subject on faith I stand on faith I stand. Beginning of October last month, Pastor Brandon preached an awesome message the first week. He preached a message entitled, Stand Strong. He came from Ephesians 6.10. He was telling us about standing strong in the power of God's might when we face circumstances and trials that hit us unexpectedly. And he said something very profound in that message. He said, if you want to stand strong, you need to have a strong foundation. You, if you want to stand strong against opposition in life's trials and tribulations, you need to stand on a solid, secure, sturdy, strong foundation. 
When we talk about foundation, we're talking about laying a base, a groundwork, a starting blocks for a business, a church, an organization, whatever it is that you're building. If you want that thing to succeed and prosper, you need to make sure that what you're laying as your foundation is strong, solid, secure, not easily broken. Matthew 7 tells us that Jesus said, the man who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the man who built his house on the rock. And the winds came and the floods came and the rain came, but the house did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. And then he said, the man who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who hears these words, who builds his house on the sand. Something that's not sturdy, that's not secure. And the rain came and the floods came and the wind slammed up against the house. And when they did, the house fell to the ground because it was not founded upon a strong, solid, sturdy foundation. If you want to stand in the power of God's might, if you want to take hold of that divine strength to pursue God's destiny for you, you need to stand on a strong, solid foundation, and that foundation is a foundation of faith. See, see, you need faith to persevere in the midst of what you're currently seeing in the natural, and you need faith to pursue what you cannot currently see in the natural. Hebrews 12 and 2, 3 tells us that we look to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. See, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was crying out to God, please take this cup from me, that joy was not yet tangible. That joy was not something that he could physically experience when he was carrying that cross, walking up to Golgotha. He was in pain and torture. The joy was not yet tangible. But because he knew joy was coming, come on somebody, because he knew joy was on the other side, he endured pain, torture. He endured hours of beating and, and taking flesh out of his body. He endured because he knew joy was on the other side. He endured because he knew the joy of redeeming us, of saving us, of crushing the serpent's head that was prophesied in Genesis. He knew that joy was on the other side. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, you got to endure because if you don't endure, you won't see joy on the other side. But in order to endure, you got to be assured that joy is on the other side. The Bible also says that not only joy is on the, side, on the other side, but glory. Because he said for momentary light affliction, you're saying, Dominique, it don't feel light. It don't feel momentary. But let me tell you, comparison to the glory that's coming, it's not light at all. But comparison to the weight of the glory that's coming, it's nothing. It said that momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory that is beyond comparison. This is why you have to endure. There's joy, there's glory on the other side, but watch it. You can't just stand on this foundation. You got to be firmly rooted in it. You got to be grounded in it. You got to be planted in it. You got to take root up in that foundation, and that foundation has to take root up in you. Why is it that? Because when the storms of opposition come as you're pursuing your destiny, when they come, when the wind slams up against you, when the fire of testing comes, when they start sending us hate mail and they try to accuse us of things that we did not do, TCF, we need to be able to stand strong. If we stand strong and root in that foundation, when they throw it at us, well, ooh, ah, you missed it. Oh, you didn't get me. Oh, you missed. You didn't get me. See, I'm for, firmly rooted and grounded. So even what you throw at me, I won't be moved. I won't be shaken. Because not only do I stand on this foundation, but I'm firm in it. See, the main protagonist of our passage today, he has to make a decision. He has to decide whether or not he's going to stand firm in faith or not be firm at all with enemies literally surrounding him and his people. Show him the next slide, Danny. This man goes by the name of Ahaz. 
Ahaz, we're right now, we're in about 735 BC. Ahaz is the king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, here's the crazy thing about Ahaz. His father, Jotham, good king, godly king. His grandfather, Uzziah, good, godly king. So you would expect that Ahaz would follow in their footsteps. No, he was wicked. He was evil. He was idolatrous. See, I think a lot of times in church we think because my dad is a deacon, because my parents are pastors, because they serve in church that the offspring automatically follow in their footsteps. But what you have to understand is that even though your lineage is blessed, even though your parents are blessed, you, the child, still have to make a decision. See, I can brag on my family because they're here right now. My parents did. I don't mean to brag, but they did a great job. We weren't perfect children. We didn't do everything right, but we made a decision to follow Jesus for ourselves. They laid the foundation. They did the work. They put us in the right environment. But me, Dawn, and Darrell still had to make a decision whether or not we were going to seek him for ourselves. And we're reaping the benefits in our own respective ways. So it pays to follow in the foundation. But Ahaz did not do that. He worshiped gods of Baal and Molech. This god of Molech, what they would do is they would build a statue, build it with outstretched arms, heat the statue to an extremely high temperature and place living infants on the statue and literally watch these infants burn to death. This is the type of idolatry that Ahaz was participating in. Him and his people. So take him to the next slide, Danny. We'll see how this plays into how he's caught in a, up in a jam. Historically, what we're doing, dealing with right now, I'm going to teach for a couple minutes. Just give me a second. This is called the Syro-Ephraimite War. Syro from Syria and Ephraimite meaning Ephraim. This is a name for the northern kingdom of Israel. So what's going on right now? Assyria is a dominant nation. They're conquering nations left and right. And in exchange for Assyrian protection, these nations are giving Assyria land, produce, and even slaves. Syrian Israel were once up under Assyrian rule, but they have decided under King Reason and Pekah, the two kings in our passage, they have decided to break away. They're like, mm, we're done with Assyrian oppression. We're done being under you. We're going to be our own people. So they recruit Edom, Philistia, to join their coalition to go up against Assyria. And they need one more nation to complete their coalition, and that's Judah. But King Ahaz says, nah, fam, <laughs> I'm not joining nobody's coalition. I'm not going up against the big bully. Y'all can do that. I'm staying independent. So Reason and Pika don't take kindly to this. They say, oh, no, we're going to take your country. So what they decide to do, they slowly begin to invade Judah. They kill about 120,000 troops in one day. They take Judean citizens as captives. And where we are in our passage today, they begin to surround the capital city of Jerusalem to make their final attack. Now, please don't get caught up in all of this history. Show them the next one, Danny. Please don't get caught up in all of this history because what you need to understand is that even though Reza and Pika had their own plan, they were actually being used. They were being used by God to humble Judah. Judah was an idolatrous nation. They had no reverence for God, spent all of their time with pagan gods. So what God says is, oh, y'all stubborn people. Y'all really going to make me use your own enemies to humble you? I'll do it. He did it. See, some of us, I'm like me, like just the separation of knowing that I've displeased. Whenever I displease my parents, yeah, I got a whooping. <laughs> I sure enough got a whooping. But for me, it was the displeasure of knowing that I displeased them that brought me down. For some of y'all, the whipping wasn't enough. 
You got it day and night, and you were still like, I'm doing my own thing. So because you're so stubborn, your parents had to increase the pressure. This is what God is doing to Judah. He said, Judah, y'all don't listen to me, so what I have to do is I'm going to use your own enemies to attack your people to humble you so that you would get to a place, hopefully, where you humble yourselves before me and repent, turn back to me. In 2 Chronicles, he says, and my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, that they would pray and seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven, and then I will heal their land. He's saying, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you. But watch it. When you exalt yourself above him, he has to sit you down. Because my God don't share glory with nobody. So be there. Take the dare and exalt yourself above him. He'll use whatever he has to do to sit you back down. So here we are. Here we are. But even in the midst of disobedience, God is about to bring assurance to Ahaz and Judah that he still loves them. That he's still going to save them. Why is that? Because faith is active obedience. Ahaz still has a chance to turn back. And this is the opportunity that God is going to give him. Go to the first point, Danny. So if we want to be firm in faith, we first have to reject the spirit of fear. You want to be firmly rooted, grounded and rooted in faith, you have to reject the spirit of fear. Verse 2 says that when the house of David was told Syria was in league with Ephraim, Ahaz and his people shook as the trees shake with the wind of the forest. Here's what's funny about this. They didn't seem to have any fear when they were putting living babies on statues and watching them die. They didn't seem to have any fear of punishment when they were worshiping false gods, but yet when trouble comes, start shaking. See, how many people, when you were in sin, you was living loose and wild, no fear of anything, but yet somebody died. Let somebody die in the family. Let sickness come and attack your home. Let your finances start depleting, and all of a sudden you get shook. Where was that fear and reverence beforehand? You were too busy living loose and living wild, but let something come up against you, and now you're shaking with fear. See, how many of us, when, when we're surrounded by opposition, why is it that our first response is fear and not exercising faith? Because like the people of Judah, they were spending too much time with little G-gods instead of the triune God. They were spending too much time worshiping statues and watching infants die and burn to death instead of spending presence in the Holy One. See, the reason why you're so full of fear, if I can quote 2 Timothy 1.7, because he ain't given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But the problem is you haven't used it yet. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, he lives up on side of you, so you got access to that power. The problem is, the last time you talked to the Holy Spirit was the day you got saved. It's been 15, 20 years, but you haven't spent any type of fellowship with him since the day you walked down the aisle and said, Jesus, I give you my life. The power is all up in here. It's laying dormant, but you ain't doing nothing with it. He gave you a spirit of love. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. The reason why you're so full of fear is because you have not been perfected in his love. You have, not been, you have not submitted yourself to the process of being perfected in his love. And when you're spending too much time loving on things that are ungodly, you can't love him perfectly. When you're spending too much time, come on, can I preach? When we're loving up on Jack Daniels, Patton, <laughs> Patton Ron, yeah, New Amsterdam, Barton Nora. I ain't ashamed. I went to college. I did it. And I repented and I forgave and Jesus forgave me. Amen. So we cutting up to spirits. Cutting up the spirits. 
covenant up to the spirits, no fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We cutting up with people in relational context that we don't need to be associated with. We loving on people that we shouldn't be loving on in ways that we shouldn't be loving on yet. Instead of loving. See, once we love on the Holy One, He fuels us with the love that, mm, good, mm, mm, soothing, mm, mm. It, it reaches down. The Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He didn't say, taste and see if the Lord is good. He said, once you taste Him, you're going to find out that He is good. See, show him the scripture, Danny. One of my favorite people in the Bible is David. This man was the definition of fearless. Look at the verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said what? I will fear no evil. Why is he so confident in this? Because for thou art with me. This was a man that spent time with God in, in, the, in the shepherd's pasture when nobody else was looking for him. He gained confidence through spending time in his presence. Maybe the reason why you're so full of fear and have no boldness is because you only go know God on a first name basis. See, he's my God, but I also know him as healer. I know him, but I also know him as confidant. I know him, but I also know him as friend, best friend, one who will never leave me nor forsake me. He sticks closer to me than a brother. If your vocabulary is limited, that tells me where you are with God. If you don't have nothing else to express him, that tells me that you don't really get in his presence. See, a lot of you, he's calling you into deeper, not to condemn you, but to empower you and strengthen you. But that's what you think he's going to do. So you're missing out on revelation. You're missing out on downloads. You're missing on strength and power to face the opposition that is around you. But I love what God does. Even when, show him of, uh, the next one. Actually, stay right there. When we're not looking for God, he comes looking for us. When we're not concerned, when we're fearful, when we don't seek him, he comes and finds us. Why is that? Ahaz ain't looking for God. He's stuck up in themselves, but because of the covenant God made with David. See, a lot of you, you're here today because of the prayers of some grandmamas, some grandfathers, some great uncles and great aunts. They looked at you when you were little. I said, man, this little grandson of mine is going to be a troublemaker. But because they prayed, because they had a relationship with the Lord, the Lord remembered their prayers. And so you're living off of their benefits. The Bible says that the prayers of the righteous. Aren't you glad you had grandparents and great grandparents that were praying that were righteous people? Their prayers are covering you right now. So even in your disobedience, you don't deserve to still be alive, but because God made a covenant with them, I'll watch over your grandbabies when you leave. I'll watch over them. I'll keep them. Even when they're not seeking me, I'll watch over them. And not even because of a covenant he made with your grandparents, but because of his covenant mercies. He said in Lamentations, it's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. Our Bible says that my God is a consuming fire. When he came and joined our flesh, he consumed your lust. He consumed your addictions. He consumed the spirit of suicide. He consumed all those mental issues. But watch it. When he consumed all of those impurities, he did not consume you because you're standing right in front of me. He is a consuming fire. He could have completely burned you all the way up. But he's a master chef. He knows the right temperature to burn all your impurities. But when he burned all of your impurities, he turned the temperature back down so that you could live. It's because of his mercies that we are not consumed when we should have been consumed. But in verse 3, God intercepts Ahaz. He says, Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz. Take your son, Shear Jashub, with you. I want you to give him a message. 
He says, what does it say? Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. See, I love what he says, be quiet. See, Ahaz, none of his people were crying out verbally. But how many of you know that some of you, when you're in fear, when you're paralyzed with fear, you may not be saying anything with your lips, but on the inside, you're screaming. On the inside, your mind is going wild and crazy. So because your parents, your parents and your brothers may not hear you, but God hears your inner groanings and, and moanings. He hears them. He's attentive because he cares. But he tells Isaiah to tell Ahaz, Ahaz, be quiet. Sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to tell your doubts. You got to tell your anxiety, shut your mouth. You got to tell your depression, sit down. When Jesus was out on that boat, he, they was like, Savior, don't you care that we're perishing? He stood up. They woke him up from a good nap. So he was like, all right, I'm going to wake up and do this. I'm going to settle this right now. He got up and said, hush, be still. You got to speak to your doubts right now. All those fears that exalt themselves above God, you need to step to him and say, close your mouth. The Holy One is talking. God is speaking. You need to turn the volume down on those fears and insecurities and turn the frequency into the Holy Spirit. He gives affirmation when you can't get it from your boyfriend. He gives you affirmation when you can't get it from your girlfriend. He gives you affirmation when you can't get it from anybody else. He gives you the affirmation that you need. Tune in. Tell your neighbor, tune in. Tune in to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. Take me to point two, Danny. So if you want to be firm in faith, you got to reject that spirit of fear, but you have to adopt God's perspective. You got to take his perspective of the situation, not yours. Take on his perspective and make it your own. In verse four, he says, he says, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be fearful because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. Well, God is essentially saying that Syria and Israel think they're a wildfire. You know how wildfires are? Any fire, when it starts, it starts off small. And then as it grows, it consumes more and more land. Reason and Pika think they are a threat. A lot of you, you think your enemies, your opposition that you're facing are actual threats. And that's why you're so fearful. But the reason why you see it like that is because you have not inserted God in the equation. And see, in comparison to God, your enemies, like he says, they all smoke and no fire. <laughs> why is that? Because God says, I'm the consuming fire. So compared to me, you ain't got no fire. You just smoke. You just burnt chips of wood that I put in my fireplace. You ain't no threat to me. But y'all don't, we don't, we don't walk with this assurance because we still think, we still live in that orphan spirit. My God, I'm, I've, done you, I've done you so wrong and I'm so sinful. Yes, but don't you know that he made a way for you to be reconciled to the Father? So stop walking around with the orphan spirit. I declare that over you. Get that orphan spirit and throw it out in the trash. You are not orphans. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because you are his child, you can adopt his perspective. His perspective should be yours because you're his child. So he's telling Ahaz, Ahaz, don't be afraid. I'm the consuming fire. These two countries, please, I'm about to extinguish them. I'm about to put the fire out. You ain't got to do nothing, Ahaz. I'm about to take the fire out. The God of fire will answer by fire. The God of fire will consume. And all you got to do is just stand back and watch. Just let it burn up. See, take on, show the verse, Danny. 
Isaiah 40, 25, God speaks to Isaiah. He says, to whom then will you compare me? Who is my equal? See, a lot of you think in the terms of God versus the devil. God versus Satan. Here's what your view should be, God. <laughs> there is no versus. He has no equal. He has no rival. There's no one who can even mount up a, a, an attack against him. So it's not God versus your financial problems. It's not God versus your bipolar disorder. It's not God versus your depression. It's not God versus suicide. It's not God versus the pain that I'm feeling. It's just God. God in of himself. Don't you know he'll consume it? He'll burn it up? When you let the Holy Spirit come, when the Holy Spirit came and descended on Acts, there were tongues of fire. Don't you know that fire is powerful enough to consume everything that is not like him? He is the God of consuming fire. No equal, no rival. He's so mighty in battle, he ain't even got to lift up a finger. He just blinking, people drop dead. He ain't got to do nothing. His enemies just drop. All he had to do is stretch out his hand. Enemies fall. Even my Jesus, he prophesied in Genesis. He told the serpent, he said, the serpent is going to bruise your heel, but you're going to crush his head. How did he, how was that fulfilled? How was that fulfilled? When he got up on that cross and he died, Satan bruised his heel, but a bruise is temporary. You crush a snake's head, they dead. So he bruised Jesus's heel. He bruised it. He touched it. And when he died, he thought he took Jesus out. But when he got up in three days, he said, death defeated. Victory won. Death defeated. Death to your problems. Death to your sin. Death to everything. I died for it. Death to it. He got up and crushed the serpent's head. Crushed it. And said, victory won. Death defeated. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? You have none because I crushed his head. I crushed it. See, you got to recognize. See, I get so excited, y'all. Because growing up, they used to make fun of me because I wasn't no fighter because I wasn't big and brawly. Then I got grown and realized I ain't got to fight. He fights for me. <laughs> he fights my battles. He fights everything I need. I'll run away if I have to, but watch it. I'm calling fire on you. He said, don't touch my anointed. I walk in that anointed. So touch me, you're burned. Touch me and you're going down. Touch my people, you're going down. oil the oil the oil the oil I don't deserve it but I know I got it and I walk in it <laughs> and I know I'm shielded and I know I'm protected so come whether come whatever you want to try to do I'm covered not just in the oil but the blood the blood the blood the blood that was uncontaminated the reason why it was uncontaminated it came through you see he wasn't conceived like we were so when he was conceived no sin could touch him no impurities could touch him so when he came out perfect lamb of god even with him being human with him being perfect when they cut him this is uncontaminated blood. See, in science, when we got things that are contaminated, we got to throw it out. Aren't you glad? Because the blood was not contaminated. It could not be thrown out, but it was applied over your life, over your head, over your body. It was uncontaminated. 
The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. I got to move. I got to move. So on the third point, Danny. So if you want to be firm in faith, you got to reject the spirit of fear. You got to adopt God's perspective. And lastly, you need to take God at his word. You need to take him at his word. Verse five and six, God tells Isaiah to tell Ahaz, says, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Syria and reason's plan was to conquer Judah, dethrone Ahaz and put one of their own in the king's seat. This son of Tabil, Tabil was a Persian governor from Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. So their plan was to dethrone Ahaz, take one of their own, put him in the king's seat. So when they put him in the seat, now Judah automatically forms and joins this coalition, something that Ahaz was not trying to do. And so when opposition tried to conquer, God exposed the plan of the enemy. And he said in verse seven, thus says the Lord God. Can I park it right there? For all of us, the enemy has tried to form weapons and attacks to take us out. But the reason you and I are still standing is because God spoke. Because the weapons that were formed, they did not come to harm us. They, they got close, but they didn't take us out because God spoke. He created the world with his words, and it was. So when forms, when weapons and all these attacks tried to take you out, the reason why they didn't completely take you out is because he spoke. He said, like the verse, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. See, you got to take God at his word because a lot of us, we look at our circumstances and our circumstances are doing all the talking. Oh, you ain't going to make it. You'll be broke forever. You ain't never going to get married. Ain't nobody going to love you. You listen to your circumstances and what they're saying to you. But God, did not God say, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Did he not say, I shall supply all your needs according to my eternal riches and glory? Did he not say, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand? Did he not say it? Why won't you believe it? Because his voice and what he says is not a priority to you. This is why it should be a priority to you. Show him the verse, Danny. God is not a man that he should lie. He don't even know how to lie. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? You're talking to someone who can't even lie. He's good on his word. He's just asking you to believe him. Just believe him. Of all the people that have lied to you to your face, why not believe the one who has nothing? The Bible says if we, if we um, seek him with all our heart, if we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. He's a good, loving God. Why would you believe what he says? I wish I would have listened to the people who doubted me this time last year when I made this transition. I wish I would have listened to the people who, when I told them what I was doing, they were like, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't do it. I, don't, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have listened to them. And I would have missed out on a year of elevation. I would have missed out on a year of favor. I would have missed out a year of, of, of blessings unspeakable. 
We think that blessings is all material. No, I don't have all the riches yet. I don't have the house yet, but I got purpose. I got peace of mind. I got anointing. I got favor. I got boldness. I got courage. I got all of that. Give me purpose any day. Give me power any day. Give me covering any day. All the rest of it will come because as I seek his kingdom first, he'll supply all of that. But give me that. Go on with your fancy houses and, and, and clothes and all these other things showing off on Instagram. You ain't intimidating me. <laughs> you coming with all of this on outward, but you ain't got nothing on the inside. So when depression starts to creep up in your room, you don't know how to pray. When anxiety starts to coming out you, you don't know what to say. All you got to open up your mouth is charge my credit card, charge my debit card. You ain't got nothing to say. Because all you do is shop, spend, show off. But at least I know <laughs> when anxiety comes, when, when I get a text that a friend's a grandparent is in the hospital, I can go on my knees and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. I begin to pray and call on God and say, God, I call fire down. When I got siblings in the hospital, when my daddy was in the hospital, I cried out to the God and he heard my prayer. And he's sitting right there because he heard my prayer. So I'll take the connection, the fellowship of the Holy Ghost any day over all the material things that you can get. But watch it. I ain't done yet. <laughs> this is only year one. I got things to do. I got plans to go. I got worlds and countries to travel to. What you just seeing is a beginning stage. But see me next year. See me in about five years. I don't brag. I brag on my God because he did it. When you see me, you know that Jesus did it. When you see me, you know that Jesus had his hand on me. When you see me, <laughs> Jesus did it, man. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. How did God do it for you? He just did it. Because <laughs> he said, will I not do it and will I not make it good? <laughs> see, he'll do it and he'll make it good. He'll do it and make it great. He'll do it and do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or think. He'll do it and make it great. He just won't do it. He'll do it woo, and make it good. He'll do it and bless and touch and all over it. He'll do it and drop his anointing all over it. Trench me in it. Trench me in it. He won't just do it. He'll make it good. See, he fulfilled prophecy. Look at verse 8 in your Bibles. He said, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. How do I know this? Because in verse 1, the Bible tells us that they tried to lay siege to Jerusalem, but they couldn't conquer it. That of all the work that they tried to do to invade Judah, verse 1 tells us the end of this war, they could not conquer it. Why is that? Because he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to what he says. Even when you disobedient, not even looking at him, he's faithful to do it because the Bible says that when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Cannot deny himself. And he says in verse 8, he said, and within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. <sighs> Ephraim, Israel fell to Assyria within 10 years of Ahaz's reign. Within 10 years, Syria fell two years, just two years after King Ahaz got 
in his kingship. Tell your neighbor, just sit and watch. Just sit and watch him do it. Some of y'all are so impatient. When he gives you a word, when he gives you a promise, I'm like you, I want to see it now. But I have to understand that I got to wait. But when I wait, I won't be denied. When I wait, I will not be denied of what he promised me. I'll see it if it's five, ten years. Because he's faithful to his word. Because he he said, not me, because he said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'll stand on that any day. So if we want to be firm in faith, we got to reject the spirit of fear. We got to adopt God's perspective. And, and lastly, oh, like I said, we got we to gotta take God at his word. Unfortunately, Ahaz did not stand firm in faith. He went and requested help from Assyria instead of trusting God. So while Assyria did conquer Syria and Israel, his enemies, because he did not trust God and went outside for help, the king of Assyria, after their agreement, turned on him and then oppressed Judah, a nation that was independent for most of all of ancient Israel. But because he did not stand firm in his faith because of what God told him through Isaiah, now him and Judah are now under Assyrian oppression. What am I trying to tell you? When you don't stand firm in faith and you go outside of God to seek help, you may just get burned. That the person you're seeking for help may agree to help you for a while. But because they're full of evil, they'll turn on you and then oppress you. And so now Judah is under oppression. Don't be like Ahaz. He didn't just bring trouble upon himself. He brought trouble upon his whole entire nation. A nation that was not under oppression, but now he's making them suffer because he refused to stand firm in faith. If you don't stand firm, your future family, future generations, the people that you're going to shepherd and be under, you'll get punished. But because they're under you, they'll feel the effects too. Don't bring people into your mess. Don't bring them into your disobedience. When you obey, you prosper, and the people under you shall prosper. I'm a living testament. My parents, 35 years of marriage. Wasn't always easy for them had ups and downs and they did such a great job of taking care of us to make sure that we weren't always worried but because they were obedient me and my siblings are reaping the benefits because they stood firm in faith and trusted him even when it didn't make sense even when it hurt because they were thinking about their seed and about their seed prospering and because of the foundation they laid they laid it and then he created steps for me and my siblings to walk up, to go up higher and higher. 
Somebody needs to hear that. Stand firm in faith. I prophesy that over you tonight, that any attack from the enemy, anything that's coming to attack you in your dreams, in your mind, I prophesy Isaiah 7, uh, uh, 7 verse 7 to you, it shall not stand and it shall not prosper. It shall not stand up against you. Why? Because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I can stand confident on that because he lives on the side of me. See, if he ain't in you, you ain't got no defense, but I can say that because he lives within me. So come on with the pressure. Come on with the attacks. Come on with it. I'm armed. I guard it. I got my spiritual weapons. Let's go to war. What you trying to do? What you trying to see? I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to war. I already got victory. So I'm ready for it. I ain't going to like it. I know it's going to hurt, but I'm ready. I'm firm, unshaking, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. You can't knock me off. Keep trying and you won't succeed. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. Raise your hand, say, Father, I stand firm in faith. No attack, no enemy, no opposition will overtake me. I'll stand for you. I will stand for your cause. I will stand for you, oh God. We pray this over you, God. Cover us right now in the name of Jesus, oh God. We are your people. We believe you, oh God. We take you at your word. We take on your perspective. We reject the spirit of fear, oh God. We will not be afraid. We will not be intimidated, oh God. You have done a great work in us, oh God. We're doing a great work, and we will not come down for anybody, oh God. But you're doing a great work in us, oh God. Continue to do it. We cover ourselves right now. We, I pray over my neighbor. I pray over this congregation, oh God, that you would touch them, that you would keep them, that you would protect them, that you would shield them from the attacks of the enemy, that nothing that comes together. No weapon against form that shall prosper, God. We believe you for tonight. We celebrate you because you are the King of glory, the God strong and mighty, the God mighty in battle, oh God. You are the King of glory. Take your right position. Take your rightful place in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.